Good morning, everyone. My name is Sam Powell, and it's an honor to be able to share with all of you today. I pray that the things we share will uh, be uplifting to your spirit and encourage you in your walk with God. It's been an interesting week. Uh, we've been without power because of the storm. Uh, the world is continuing to be turned upside down with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, we're still facing major challenges uh, socially, politically, and I hope that we're all praying as we're commanded to from the scriptures for uh, those in high places that, that prayerfully can make a difference. Uh, as, I, as I face my own personal challenges, uh, the question that I ask God when I'm going through things is, what are you trying to teach me, Lord? What are you trying to help me to see in my own heart and character that I need to change, that I need to do better? Not, what are you trying to teach someone else? What are you trying to point out and show them? What are you trying to teach me? I believe as individuals and as a body of believers, God is always trying to take us higher in our spiritual walk. He's always trying to help us to, to see Jesus in ways that we can be more and more like him. It's not always easy, and sometimes it, it catches me at times when maybe I'm not quite ready, but through it all, God is working on me. Times of adversity and trial are not new uh, to the church or for the church. Uh, we, we see in the Old Testament all that God's people went through. We see in the New Testament that those letters were written oftentimes to deal with specific needs and challenges and situations that the church was facing so that uh, the church could move forward and accomplish God's mission and God's will and give him glory. Uh, a church I want to take a few minutes to focus on today is the church in Corinth. We know that they went through so many, many challenges, and they had some serious problems. Let me list a few of them for you. Here's a list. 1 Corinthians 1 uh, through chapter 4, division over church leadership. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, sexual morality being tolerated in the church. 1 Corinthians 6, church members suing each other uh, in secular court. 1 Corinthians 7, marriage issues. 1 Corinthians 8 through uh, chapter 10, uh, dealing with food offered to idols and uh, abuse of freedoms. 1 Corinthians 11, um, improper attitude toward the Lord's Supper, making a mess of that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, they had issues in the worship and the abuse of, of gifts, and Paul was trying to help them with uh, how to be orderly in their worship. And then uh, it, we could go on and on as in 1 Corinthians 15, not understanding uh, really uh, the resurrection. And, and listen to some of the statements that Paul made to this church. It, they were strong. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, verse 3, he says, You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? It's as if Paul expected the disciples to live at a higher standard. You, you're not supposed to act like other mere humans. That's worldly. No jealousy or quarreling. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1, he says, It is actually reported that, that there's sexual immorality among you and of a kind is not even, that does not even occur among pagans. He says here again, your standard is to be higher. 
You don't have to lower yourself to the level of the pagans. First Corinthians 6 verse 7, he says, The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Here again, calling them higher. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9, he says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Don't allow what you consider as good to hurt others. And then 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, he says, In the following, following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. This church had issues. They had problems. And yet in the middle of it all, Paul writes a beautiful, I think what, what many call uh, the chapter of love, 1 Corinthians 13, to help them to see that there is a way to overcome this. There is a way to deal with all of this, for you to, to be the people that God wants you to be. And, and I'm going to begin right at the end of verse 12 where Paul says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so he shows them, here, here's, the, here's the answer. Agape love. The love of God. The love of Jesus. If you Corinthians will put this into practice, you can overcome you can have success. You will not fail. And the same goes for us. That we've got to prioritize the love of Jesus, the love of God. How important is love? Well, the Bible says in, in 1 John 4 verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. God is love. In one word, God is love. All of those things that we just talked about, you know, being patient, and kind, all those things, that is the character and the heart of God. First John 4.16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. The God that we worship is a God of love. He is the definition of love. He is the essence of love. He is the standard of love. No, and remembering scriptures, significant scriptures on love, I think of the 13s, Romans 13. Romans 13, 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be is summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the, of the law. Galatians 5.13. 
You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. John 13, beginning in verse 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This agape love is a selfless love. It's a love that puts the needs of others before my own. And we as human beings, if there's any sin that we struggle with, if there's any sin that, that is destructive in our lives, it is the sin of selfishness. It is, it is selfishness that makes our world so dark. It is selfishness that destroys marriages and disrupts family. It is selfishness that, that keeps us from moving forward in our lives. We are at our best as servants of God when we are selfless, when we're focused on meeting the needs of others above our own, when we're considering others better than ourselves. That's when we're the best of what we can be to the glory of God. We are, we are at our best as parents when we're selfless. In our marriages, we are at our best when we're selfless in, in thinking of how we can build up and meet the needs of our spouse. You know, as, 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 as parents, if there's anything we need to teach our kids, it's to be selfless and sacrificial. That makes them better human beings. Even singles, college students, teenagers, when your focus is on loving and giving to others, you will find the true fulfillment and contentment and purpose that God's given you in life. God created us to be selfless human beings, but it's our nature to be just the opposite. Every church, with no exceptions, is going to have its problems. The way to overcome is through the agape love of God. The real issue is not only going to have problems, issues. I'm telling you, they're, they're landing on my desk every week. The answer is the love of Jesus, the love of God. Are we going to deal with them in the way that God, our issues, our challenges, in the way that God has commanded us, in the way that Paul directs the disciples here in Corinth? How important is it that we as a church prioritize love? You know, I think about the church. There are a lot of things that we could be doing right now and could be talking about and could be focusing on. But I want you to understand something. There are some things that the church can do that no other group, organization, or organism can do. And there are things that people in the world are able to do that, that we can't do. Or if we try to do, they, they, they will definitely do them better than us. But let me just mention two things that I believe the church can do that other groups cannot do. And they definitely cannot do them as well as the church of the loving God. Number one, we can help people become like Jesus. We can help people become like Jesus. Number two. We can help people get to heaven. We can help people get to heaven. You know, let's talk about this first one. Us helping people to become like Jesus. No other organization is trying to teach people how to be like Jesus, how to love like Jesus, 
how to live like Jesus. That's what we're all about. And to love and live like Jesus is to walk in love because no one loved in the way that Jesus loved. You know, those virtues that we just read a few minutes ago, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. That's Jesus. That's our Lord and our Savior. And do I fall short? You better believe I do, but... But he is my upward calling. And if we could all live this way, we could show the world this kind of love, we can make a difference. But it's got to start with us. It's got to start with me. You know, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's the way Jesus lived his life. I believe right now God is trying to teach you and me how to love more deeply, how to be more accepting, how to be more understanding, how to have more empathy, how to have more compassion, as our brother Steve Kennard talked about last week. God is trying to help us to get there, to go there. And sometimes, you know, when we, we ask, well, why is this happening? Why are we going through this? Sometimes it's because God is trying to help me to love more deeply. To not just listen to the words as people cry out, but to listen to the feelings behind the words. The fears, the frustrations, the hurts, the disappointments. And to love like Jesus loved. You know, Cynthia and I, a couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with some old friends, and it, it was a pretty intense conversation because. Uh, we saw some things different concerning some uh, serious issues. And the conversation didn't start off too well as far as I was concerned because I was getting emotional. And praise God, my wife, she, she was calm and, and, and helped. And, and eventually we, we got to a better place. And I don't think we decided to agree on every issue. But we did decide as couples, as individuals, to love one another. And I respect them as disciples of Jesus. They love God. They love this church. They, they've sacrificed for this church. We just, we just see some things differently, but we can't let our differences divide us because that's not the way of love. That's not the way of Jesus. There, there, there are going to be differences, and God is glorified when, in spite of our differences, we still love as he loved us. Matter of fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 19, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have gone to pure approval. There will be differences among us. Are we dealing with them in love, in the way that Jesus would? And praise God, we got on the phone, we talked it through, and, and God blessed it. Is there still more for me to learn? Absolutely. Is there still more ways for me to grow? You better believe it. But we had a victory that day, and Satan was not happy because we decided to love as Christ has loved us. And remember Jesus' commandment, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I've loved you. By this all men will know that you're my disciples. That's what the church does. Other organizations cannot do it like the church can. We have the spirit of God living in us, and it is, a, it is a spirit of love. 
Secondly, we can help get people to heaven. No other organization has that as their mission, as their goal, to get people to heaven. That's what we're all about. Every week, we're highlighting baptisms. Who else does that? What other organizations, non-spiritual organizations are doing that? Because we understand that when a person repents and is baptized, that their, their lives are being turned over to God and they're going from, from darkness to light and they're coming into the family of God and we rejoice in every baptism. But that's what we're about. And the way that we get people to heaven is they need to see the love of God in us. They need to see Jesus in us. And that opens their hearts to seeing God. 45 years ago, I walked into the Church of Christ. I was invited. It was a predominantly white church. There were a few people of color there, but not many. And when that service ended, people began to reach out to me and, and initiate with me. And as time went on, uh, individuals began to study the Bible with me and help me work through things in my life to take me from darkness to light, and I will be forever grateful. I praise God for Steve Pipkin, for Wendell Shaw, for uh, Mitch Mitchell, for all those, those great brothers who were there to help me to see God. But it was the relationships. It was the love of Jesus. It was the, the concern for me that melted my heart and helped me to see Jesus and to see the love of God through them. That's what we're about. That's what people still need to see. And as I grew and matured in the, in the Lord and decided to go into the ministry, I've seen God through the power of love change lives. Just this past week, um, a young man, well, not so young anymore, Derek and Lynn Clay, their daughter Christian was baptized into Christ. Well, Derek and Lynn were, were baptized when Cynthia and I were serving in the campus ministry in Tallahassee, Florida, back in, in, in well, Derek was baptized in 1981, Lynn in 1984. But this past week, their daughter Christian, a junior in college, was baptized into Christ. That's what it's all about. Derek and Lynn seeing the love of Jesus, Showing it now to their daughter, the love of Jesus. Many disciples, great sisters were involved in this study, showing her the love of Jesus. That's what we do. We help get people to heaven. You know, during this COVID-19 crisis, we've seen more people baptizing the Christ in 2020 at this time than we did last year in 2019. That's God. That's the power of God. That's the love of God. You know, Paul tells to the Corinthians, he said, I'm showing you the most excellent way. That's the way we need to be going. That's the kind of church we need to be building. You know, when I went to Brooks Avenue back in 1975, it was, I saw the love of Jesus. And Jesus wants people to walk into his church, Jew and Gentile, Black and white, Republican and Democrat, rich and poor, English-speaking, non-English-speaking, 
Whoever you may be, he wants them to walk in and to see the love of God, the love of Jesus. And the church can show that to people like no other organism can. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul tells them in verse 1, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Brothers and sisters, my charge to us is to follow the way of love. Because love is what God is all about. God is love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love never fails. Agape love, selfless love. Now, as we commune together, we're going to remember Jesus. And Jesus, we remember his death. And Jesus selflessly gave his life to show us the way of love. And let's recommit ourselves this week to practicing self-denial, to reaching out to a neighbor, a friend, a fellow brother, or sister in Christ, or even someone we may not really be united with right now. All to God's glory because we've decided to walk the way of love. Let's pray together. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for us, for showing us true agape love, that you so loved us that you gave all that you had. Father, as we take this bread, we remember his sacrifice. As we take this cup, we remember the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins that we could be new creations. Teach us, help us, strengthen us, give us the power to walk in the way of love. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.